Before we get into the interview, please take a second, if you have one, to leave a review and a rating in iTunes for this podcast. It will help get the word out and keep us going. So I would really appreciate that. Thank you to Anne, who left a review last week. I really, really appreciate your kind words. Hi, I'm Shelby Schlangbergen, and this is Living Over Losing, unfiltered and unrestrained. Hello and welcome back to Living Over Losing podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have Kayla Kotecki with us. She is an anti-diet holistic nutritionist who helps people to stop letting food, exercise compulsion, and body shame from controlling their lives. She is also author of the book, Damn the Diets, and she has a huge social media presence at Damn the Diets um, on Instagram and YouTube where she talks about some amazing things that I can't wait to get into today. So welcome, Kayla. Thank you, Shelby, for having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Me too. <laughs> so I guess we'll start with the place that makes the most sense to start. What is your background? Um, how did you, you know, what was it like? What was your relationship to food like growing up? Um, how, you know, how did you get to this place where you are now? Yeah, okay. So this is a long story. So I'm going to try to condense it. This is my problem is condensing this message. It's okay. You, it's, <laughs> it's fine. As long as you need. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, I like how you um, asked about growing up too, because not a lot of people ask about that. And it's so important. A lot of people, when they um, you know come out of the restrictive diets and they want to recover, um, a lot of what recovery is, is like um, connecting back to where you are or where you were before all of the restrictive or this disordered eating and disordered relationship with your exercise and food. So, you know, like you're connecting with your inner child or you're, you get back your personality that you lost when you were super restrictive or just over exercising. Um, and you lose, like you get out of touch with how you actually want to eat. It's hard for people to be like, well, I don't even know what I want to eat anymore because, um, you know, I've been so out of touch for so long. So yeah, it's so important to look to where you were before all of this to guide you through recovery. Um, so anyways, I'll backtrack to my story. Um, growing up, you know, I didn't ever think about food. My motto when I was little, like in grade school, I would say, it tastes good for my taste buds. So that's all that mattered to me. Like, if yeah. it tasted good, you know, I never worried about like super health conscious things. That mm-hmm. only came later as I was, you know, a late teenager. So I grew up and I was a tomboy and I was always into sports, you know, um, just for fun though. I, I just love soccer. I loved basketball, softball, volleyball, swimming, riding my bike, just whatever to get outside and to have fun. It was never like in an act to control my weight. So that's the problem is like when exercise or food is connected with weight loss, that's where like the dysfunction can come in. Mm-hmm. So, um, So yeah, so I grew up doing that. And then once I was in high school, that's where things started to change. And I wasn't doing exercise for fun anymore. And this was in an act 
to try to control my body weight because now I was starting to compare to other people and I wanted my weight to get lower. I wanted to be lean. And um, so, yeah, it just got out of control. I struggled with like alcohol and drug abuse, right? So my excuse was that I was switching unhealthy addictions to healthy addictions. So, okay. Yeah. So that's when I was like, well, this is fine because, you know, I'm just, I'm being healthy. I'm, I'm fit now, you know? So that's how I justified it. And I see that a lot with people. Yeah. It takes um, a lot of forms. Yes, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. So everyone's story, why they get into this could look different. Um, but you know, some of the underlying reasons can be similar. Anyways, from there, it evolved into an obsession with my diet and being super clean because um, just the exercise wasn't enough now. Now I needed to manipulate my diet and to manipulate my body. So then, you know, I was eating just like tuna out of the can with like broccoli or chicken or tilapia. Right. I was following that diet, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was already doing it and... Um, I wasn't really into bikini competitions. It kind of weirded me out, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I was talked into it by the gym owner that I was going to this specific gym in my hometown. And he finally talked me into it. And so I ended up going down that road. And (laughs) this is where a lot of the problems started to happen. Not that they weren't happening already, but it just like was continuing at a rapid pace at this point. So like the problems I'm talking about are like my hair started falling out. I lost my menstrual cycle. Um, and I lost that for four years after that. I like we were talking about before we started recording, I had no sex drive, which mm-hmm. sucked because that was important to me. Um, I was starting to develop really bad digestive issues Um, so like I had a lot of food allergies all of a sudden when before I had no food allergies, like I had no problems with food. And then, um, so all of these different things, I was fatigued now. I, so this is the misconception is people start to applaud you for looking different and manipulating your body and you start to look healthy and fit according to our culture's eyes or, you know, the standards today, but behind all of that. I was miserable and I was weak and I was fatigued and I wasn't even able to be really in fitness for performance reasons. It was all for aesthetic and that was the problem. So, (laughs) you know, I tried to like talk about that back after my last bikini competition, but nobody wanted to hear about it. Um, They were just like, Oh, you must've done something wrong. Um, Blah, blah, blah. And so, but it's just, you know, what happens when you're restricting yourself, you're over-exercising, you're not feeding yourself for that kind of level of activity. And you start to run into all of these starvation type symptoms. Right. Uh, So then people are like, well, you know, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way because I'm just being healthy and fit. But these like restrictive diets or crazy extreme lifestyles can actually mimic someone that's going through anorexia or any other kind of, you know, starvation type lifestyle. And so we don't look at this sometimes. And I agree with what you're saying, how it's so aesthetic based. And I don't, I never even did a bikini competition, but I was still like all aesthetic based. Um, And it's funny because I actually was, when my eating disorder had started, I was in college 
and I was on the track team and I was like the worst one on the track team. Like everyone thought, Oh, she's so good. Like she's so muscular. She looks so good. She's so fit. But I was just so tired and dead that I had no energy at all. So I definitely like get that. I think that's a total misconception about health. Yeah, exactly. And so you get applauded for that and you're like, well, am I doing something right? But I don't feel good. This can't be right. This can't be sustainable, you know? And that's why I try to say health and fitness is not a look. It's more of a feeling. And, you know, like we want to feel good in our bodies and all that, but it's, we're basing it off of the wrong reasons. It seems like nowadays we want to look like that Fitzbo account, the feed that we follow, where we want to look like that body in the magazine or in the movies or whatever, Uh, more of that fit body type is more glamorized all of a sudden in the past, like five to 10 years or something. Mm -hmm. That's the rise of like Fitzbo accounts on Instagram or social media. And so, yeah, it's just that's so people are really suffering because they're trying to attain this really low body fat percentage or really lean and vascular, muscular. And if it's not right for that body type, they can run into really serious problems. Right. And it's crazy how you think about it too, how it's like, like you said, five or 10 years ago, this just became like the new thing. And it's kind of crazy to think that in our society, we have fads that are body types like yeah. that. Like it's like fashion, it's like body types come and go. And that's just so destructive because it can be like life damaging. Yeah, exactly. Um, just, you know, if you look to different generations, the body ideal at that time for both males and females, or they change so rapidly. <laughs> so if we're trying to fit into this mold that society creates for us, that we have to look that way to be healthy or fit or sexy or desirable, um, but it's not right for our bodies or our genetics or our ethnic background, like, uh, you know, it's just not going to be healthy for you or sustainable. At least you can maybe get to your body to go to that point, but it's not going to be healthy and you're going to have to pay for it eventually. And so that's why people end up binging and then they think they have binge eating disorder, but it's not binging if you're coming from a restrictive background or, you know, you get to a really low body weight that's not right for you. So, right, right. It's insane. All right. So how did you go from bikini competitive, like competitions and you said you were not feeling good, your hair was falling out, like, you know, not everything not going so well. How, what, what happened from there? Yeah. Okay. So the whole time I was prepping for my bikini competition, I was miserable, like absolutely miserable. But on social media, you know, I was putting out photos like, you know, like a typical Fitzbo account, right? I don't have that account anymore, by the way, because I left it. Um, But so... I had this facade going on and it felt like a lie. I wanted to tell everyone, like I did tell people like, this is miserable. Um, Mm -hmm. And you have that community like trying to like to help you cope through competitions because it's absolutely shitty. And um, so I just knew that that was not going to be sustainable deep down. And so, but I had that mindset, like, I'm going to, I have to get this done because I've already invested so much time into it. I mean, this takes months. Um, and I was already into it for years at that point. So I decided to continue through for that last bikini competition. And after that, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, but I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So I did the bikini competition. And of course, like backstage, what is everyone talking about? They're talking about what foods they're going to eat after the show. And, you know, it's just all food talk. And 
Um, Just everyone's so starving back there and, and dehydrated as well too. So Mm -hmm. they just wanted to drink water too. So um, that's not healthy, you know, but so, okay. After the bikini eating competition, of course, that day immediately after like everyone went to go binge on their favorite foods. And so after that though, like I couldn't do it anymore. And I just continued to be in this like binge cycle. So, but I continued to try to hold on to the leanness of my body. So I continued to try to diet the way I was before, but it just was not enough. So I was on this restrict binge over exercise cycle for like the next year. And I continued to develop more and more physical and mental problems from the restriction for so long and the malnourishment and then the continuation of over-exercise and being at a really low body weight that, um, but I still maintain like the muscularity because I was still really obsessed with the exercise compulsion. But so I was on this new, like, um, whatever, like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I wanted to heal myself from all of these physical problems. Mm -hmm. So then that led me into all of these fad diets that are out there to try to heal your autoimmune disease, heal your digestive system, heal all of your hormones and thyroid problems. Right. Cause you never think it's like something that you're actually doing to yourself. You're like, there's something wrong with me. That's why I feel like this. You nailed it. A lot of people don't realize, like they don't connect the dots that the restriction or the overexercise is actually the root cause to all of these physical problems that arise. Right. So once you can like realize that, cause that's why I was so confused and frustrated. I thought like I was weak and that I lost all my willpower and I had no self-control and that I was a glutton because I didn't realize that the restriction and the exercise compulsion was what was creating all of this suffering. Right. So that was like, what you said like what happened like that was what happened is when I finally got to that point, like a couple of years later, after going down that rabbit hole, um, trying like paleo, vegan, fasting, juicing, cleansing, all of that stuff. Um, you get to that point where you're like, wow, like if I, I just need to eat and stop fearing my hunger and nourish my body and go through this healing process that we call recovery now. And, um, that was the beginning to the end of my journey. And then I had to go through recovery for another couple of years, you know? Mm-hmm. So it takes time for sure. Yeah. When yeah. you've like totally, you, cause you're just like really changing all your beliefs and it's hard. Yeah. It's that's probably so like the nutritional rehabilitation state, like the beginning when you're just eating a lot of food because you have that extreme hunger. The hardest part after that is the mental is like going against all of these beliefs that you've thought to be true for so long about diet and weight loss and exercise. So like, um, going against all of that and trying to like challenge yourself and, um, listen to your body um, with all of that screaming at you every time you go to eat or exercise, like it's, it's a shit storm. It's hard. It is. It's a, it's like jumping, like taking a leap of faith for sure. Cause you, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. And then like a lot of people around you, um, if they're not going through it, they don't understand. And then they think you're nuts for eating that much food. Or, um, if you are 
um, retaining water or like, then they start to feed the, the monster. Like, well, what, is there something wrong with you? You know, mm-hmm. but so yeah, it's, you have to um, build this like inner strength within you to get through it because it is not fun. That's for sure. And you're going against the grain. Like it's going against everything that we've been taught in diet culture. So yeah. Yeah. Tough. Do you, so when you were in recovery, did you feel like, um, cause I had a similar situation to this where I was kind of out of control, but just because my hunger cues were so messed up and I just, you know, kind of tormented my body for so long that it was like, I needed to eat everything. And I, I ended up gaining a lot of weight at first until I could like take a, like take a step back and things were more like my body was normalized and I could kind of go back to like my set point, my set weight. Um, mm-hmm which I had forgotten what that was because I hadn't been that in so long since probably like the beginning of high school. Um, yeah. yeah. So did you kind of experience the same thing? And like, how did you deal with weight gain in the beginning? Cause I know that's so hard. Yeah. I was going to ask you too, because that's like the biggest concern for people, right. Is like gaining the weight. Cause in order to like, get your brain, like trigger that switch to go to come out of starvation mode. You have to eat the food and you have to gain some weight. It's just like part of this recovery process and some more than others. Of course, it's like not a one way, one size fits all just like nothing is right. Mm -hmm. But like, um, it's really tough for people to deal with that. And yeah, I know like my vanity was crushed because I gained a lot of weight and I was retaining a lot of water, like Mm -hmm. you said. Um, but eventually, like if you just consistent and patient, it, it balances out your appetite balances out. You're not going to have the extreme hunger forever and you're not going to be binging forever. So, um, you're also not going to be gaining weight forever if you feed that. But if you continue to try to go back to restricting or over-exercising and you never give your body a chance to go through that, then yeah, you can't get back to that point. But like you said, that's what I was going to ask for you. Cause a lot of people ask like, well, am I going to be able to ever balance out? Am I just going to keep gaining weight forever? Mm-hmm. Um, like, did you throughout recovery, didn't you notice that like your set weight eventually started to like go back to where it wanted to be. Right. Yeah. So I, um, I thought I kind of the same thing as you, I was like, really like I was super fitness. Like I was like, go to the gym three times a day. So I had, um, I had like, I had, you know, a lot of muscle that I was just kind of like, I don't know, it was very hard to maintain. Um, so I, did notice that when I stopped, like slowed down with the gym exercise and started feeding myself what I was actually wanting, there was a lot of like water retention, um, which I think is scary, especially to, you know, to someone that's just kind of like surrendering, but it was, I was just scared. Like it was getting to a point where it was like, I knew that what I was doing was bad and it had to be fixed. So I didn't like it. I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody likes that happening is when they, especially when they've been like, so like, that's the worst thing ever fat phobic, um, which is, you know, and the whole other thing. But I think that once I just like let it happen, it's, it's funny because you do, you don't think you're ever going to get to a point where you're going to be quote unquote normal again, like a normal eater. Um, you know, you think you're either going to have to control yourself and restrict and do every single count out every single calorie, count out every single meal, or you're just going to be totally out of control, like 
eating donuts 24 seven and that's the only thing you'll ever eat again. But that's not true. Like you get to a point where your body knows what you need and you can trust what it wants. Yeah. So exactly. You're building that trust again with your body because we've been like taught that your body is here to deceive you. Like you can't listen to it. It doesn't know what it's talking about, but that's not true. Like if you just allow your body to balance out and allow your hormones to balance out, this is also like um, physical hunger and satiety are just uh, produced by hormones, the ghrelin and the leptin hormones. So like once this balances out, uh, your body just, it slowly and gradually starts to, um, the hunger dies down, you get the satiety back and you you're not in conservation anymore or is conservation mode anymore. So your body doesn't feel like it has to store everything that is coming in. So it gets to that point where it can stop and then slowly start to release something if it's ready, because only the body knows if it wants to do that, wherever it feels healthy, it'll settle at. And the body always wants to get to that point where it feels healthiest at. But like, a lot of people want to control that. And they're like, well, I think that I should be at this BMI or this weight. So, you know, the body's wrong. And so they try to control it even in recovery. And Mm -hmm. that's a problem because the body knows where it's healthy based off of so many different factors. And we can't really control that, you know? Right. Yeah. And you just did a video on this too. I think it was on Instagram the other day about how when you're, especially in the beginning of recovery, should, you know, how should you follow what your cravings are? Should you follow your wants and needs? So I I think you mentioned like, if you wake up and you really want ice cream in the beginning of recovery, like, is that something you should honor? Or, cause I think that's really scary to people, but do you think that you have to honor that in order to get to the normal, like the normalized state? Yeah, because if you continue to deprive yourself in any way, shape, or form, like whatever it is, uh, the food is going to continue to have power over you. Your body's going to continue to think that it's going to be starved or deprived of whatever it's asking for. So the only way to get past this stage is to just like let go and, you know, honor your body's cravings and your desires. It knows what it's doing. Like, if it's asking for something in specific, which that's what a craving is, and that's a communication tool is a craving, you have to just honor that and trust that the body knows what it's doing. And it's going to use it for something that we may not really understand because there's a lot of things that we don't understand that the body is doing because it's always doing so much for us on minute by minute. And so, yeah, like in that story that I was talking about, if you wake up and you want ice cream or, um, just cold cereal. I mean, like everyone's cravings are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was just working with someone uh, recently, you know, and she's like, she came from a background of just super clean and pure. And like, um, I don't know, do you know about like all the gaps diets and all of those cleansing diets? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like- so, yeah. Those ones. So you're like, it's just like heavily vegetable based. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was on that for years and she just was so over vegetables in her recovery. All she was craving was sweet foods, you know, not even savory at this point. And, you know, I was the same way. And I had to go through a period where like, I just didn't eat any vegetables, like not any at all. But if that's what my body wanted that day, like I just literally wanted ice cream, then I, I just went with that. 
And yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like that every day. It went away because I, yeah. my body, what it wanted. And right. It, exactly. It's, it's scary because you think that that's the only thing you're going to want for the rest of your life. But yeah, I think by just depriving yourself, it's usually, usually want what you have deprived yourself of. Um, yes. so, and there's a reason that your body feels deprived and wants that because it has been so long since you've given it to it. So once that kind of like dies down and the drama of not, you know, like I haven't eaten this in a year. And then once your body gets used to all types of foods again, then you really can start like intuitively eating. Um, in the beginning, it's hard to quote unquote intuitively eat in like a, uh, I don't know, like a sustainable way. Cause like we said, you know, you could be craving a million different things at a million different times. Um, but you have to like give into that to get to the point where you can like trust yourself. Yeah. I was just talking about this recently too. Um, so people are like, well, am I even ready to follow my intuition yet? Like, can I start intuitive eating? But like, they haven't gone through that period where they're just letting go completely and giving into whatever their body wants in the quantity that it wants. So like, uh, you can't start practicing intuitive eating because your hunger signals are so out of whack still. Like you, you have to go through this period, this transition of just feeding your body and feeling all out of whack because it's going to feel all out of whack for a while. To, but eventually, once you go through this, things will start to level out. And then you can practice intuitive eating because your hunger and your satiety signals will be present again. But you can't, you know, you can't do intuitive eating if you, you don't have any hunger or satiety signals present yet. Mm-hmm. It's just it's going to be too hard. But you can eventually you just, you know, it's scary to, you to know, get just there. give it. You just have to trust yeah. yourself. Yeah. 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 So I guess on that note, I kind of want to ask you your opinion on why diets never work. So I, for a long time, and you've mentioned this too, I feel like I tried everything because I was like, well, um, you know, maybe I have to have carbs, but I won't eat fat or like I won't eat sugar or... I'll do paleo. I'll be vegan. <laughs> I tried everything and it just if you're t- if you're going at it from a point of losing weight, it's what is your take on why all these certain types of diets just never seem to work? And it's kind of scary too and I saw this on your social media the other day as well that like now diets are starting to market themselves as life changes. Yeah. And a big one of those I know and especially you probably know this too from bikini com- competitions is macro counting. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's supposed to be like sustainable. You can have whatever you want, but you really can't because you're weighing everything and counting everything. And it's like a puzzle. So it's kind of scary that like now things are starting to be marketed as this isn't a diet. This is a lifestyle change, but it's really a diet. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like really confusing. So I don't know. I'm just curious on your take on why you think that you always will never find like happiness in a diet. Yeah. Well, diets are just restrictive in nature. All diets mean like we all are on a diet, right? But like if we're on a restrictive diet, whether it's restricting a food group, it's restricting um, a macronutrient, you know, whether it's salt or oil or if it's whole foods only, or if it's low fat or it's low carb or it's no sugar, it's no gluten, whatever it is. Like once you say no to something, it's just our human nature to want that until we get it. Like if we're deprived of something, we will start to perseverate on it. We'll start to obsess about it. We'll, we'll do anything 
to the body until the body gets to that or it gets um, fed whatever it is that it's being deprived of. And, you know, all of these different things are foods that we need, all macros, all food groups, like we need all of it. So when we're restricting ourselves of anything in any way, shape or form, we're putting ourselves into an energy deficit because we need starchy carbs. We need fats. We need saturated fats. We need salt. We need all of this. Mm-hmm. And so we then put ourselves into starvation mode um, and we start to experience all these starvation type symptoms. Um, and so then, so we go into when, what happens is when we go into starvation mode, the body goes into conservation mode. So people usually want to just lose that five to 10 pounds or they want to put on some muscle and be a little more lean. Um, and then to get to this, they put themselves in a caloric deficit and energy deficit, which is just semi starvation mm-hmm. and they lower their metabolism. They're feeling deprived and then they end up binging on whatever they're you know, not feeding themselves. Right. And then you feel guilty because, <laughs> yeah. oh, I messed up. Like, yeah, you blame yourself, obviously. So there's a lot of shame there. And then you try to figure out the next way that you can fix what you just messed up. And then it's a never ending cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Then you're on this cycle. And when it's not working out for you, you start binging or um, what happens is you end up putting on more weight than you had before. That's the overshoot. Um, it's just what happens when you lower your metabolism and you, your body feels starved. Like it's typically overshoots, not always, but that's why people get frustrated. So now they are on this cycle, like you were just talking about and an attempt to control their weight gain again, instead of just letting the body play out what it's going to, and then balance out on its own over a long-term period, they want instant gratification and they want the quick fix. So they go on another diet to try to get the weight back down or, to try to now heal the digestive problems that they've created from the restrictiveness. Because when you cut something, your body isn't able to efficiently digest that food anymore. So now people think that because they cut carbs and then once they add back in carbs again, they feel a little down or um, they feel like the carb flu or they feel fatigued Mm -hmm. or bloated, but it's just an, an act of the body trying to balance out again and trying to, you know, be able to digest that food again. And if you just wait it out, um, your digestive system will balance out again. And so that's why people, if they just waited it out a little longer, they would, you know, see long-term sustainable results, but we're in this diet mode where we want quick fixes and true health and performance or fitness is not a quick fix. Like this stuff takes time and it takes consistency and it, you know, it takes time of you just not perseverating and focusing and obsessing and just letting it happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, especially with eating disorders, it comes off as being a lot of, I don't know, it comes off kind of with the stigma that people that have an eating disorder just need this like serious need for vanity and they need, you know, to be, but I really don't, when I first started recovering, I didn't think, I thought that was me. Like I was like, I just really want to be super toned and skinny. And I, that's the only thing I care about. But once I started, like, I think it's, it's kind of like a warning sign because there's so much underlying issues underneath how you're like letting out stress by 
eating and exercising. And it's all, I feel like there's always an underlying, an underlying issue that's bigger than the eating disorder, you know, or not, maybe not a specific issue that you can pinpoint, but there's anxiety, stuff like that. I mean, and this just makes you even more anxious. It just, it's, it's like feeding the problem. (laughs) Yeah. And some of the, you know, the main starvation symptoms are anxiety, fear, um, an obsession with your appearance, um, obsession with food, because that's just how the brain works. You know, like when it feels like it's in a scarce environment, it's not going to be, it doesn't have enough food, then it's triggered in the brain that it needs to get to an environment where there's an abundance of food. So, you know, you just, it's just what happens. So like, even like you said, like, um, even just wanting to lose five to 10 pounds or just getting a little bit leaner, that in itself can trigger you into this, um, scarce mindset, um, trigger in the brain if you have that gene. Um, and it can trigger you into like, just being obsessed with your food, obsessed with your body appearance, even if you weren't obsessed with your body or you didn't have body dysmorphia before, like this just all comes as a result from getting, um, losing a little bit of weight if it's not natural for your body. So that's why even people, they feel all of these horrible symptoms and they've only been on a restrictive diet for months even, and they're starting to feel this way. But it's just that in itself can trigger in the brain for you to be in starvation mode. And that's the same with exercise compulsion too. Um, if you're exercising too much and not taking enough in enough food for your body type, um, then you can be triggered into starvation mode as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And there's also, we, we mentioned this in the beginning, there's, there's other problems too, than, than just, you don't just, you know, it's not like, Oh, you're just hungry. And, you have a lot of physiological challenges, like your, you know, like we, I said, anxiety. Um, your body temperature can drop, yeah. losing your period, losing your sex drive. Like it affects everything in your body. And I don't think, I mean, nobody knows that. Like you don't obviously sign up for that. You just think, <laughs> oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to lose weight, and maybe I'll be a little hungry. But you don't realize that it can really affect your body. Yeah. Cause a lot of people don't talk about this. Like I talked about this before, you know how like pharmaceutical drugs, they come with a whole list of side effects. Um, right. Like diet diets should come with that too. Like they yeah. should literally come with a long list of all the side effects that you're going to have to face if you start restricting yourself or if you go into a bikini competition, cause all of these bikini competitors, uh, competitors are dealing with the binging and the extreme hunger. And now the body dysmorphia, like severe, severe body dysmorphia that they didn't have before. Cause now they feel like they're not good enough because they just cannot maintain that body leanness that like they had during the prep or even like fitness, um, the photo shoots too. So yeah, yeah. diets should come with like all the side effects <laughs> mentally, physically, Right. Definitely. I mean, cause yeah, you're, you're so right. It is kind of like the side effects are kind of common to other drugs. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just not, I think that's why a lot of people get to the point where they're like, I need to figure out a better way because it just really does affect your whole life. Um, cause yeah, like I said, I, like I lost my period. I had no sex drive and that, that stuff affects your relationships. <laughs> like, yeah. 
it's mm-hmm. not, I mean, yeah, it's not good. People, that's, a, that's another huge thing is the isolation. Uh, so even if you're not in a significant other relationship, you isolate from your friends and you only hang out with people that are in your community that have the same mindsets or like lifestyle. And so if you even have that, but in its nature, you tend to isolate because now like you don't want to go out to eat because you're afraid that there's not going to be clean ingredients or you don't want to go out on like a road trip because you don't want to miss your fifth meal or you don't want to miss your exercise regime that you have like perfectly lined up and you just start to say no. And now you're miserable because you're not really experiencing life. Like these, uh, these lifestyles are created. They're selfish for one. They always told me like, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you have to be selfish, but also like you can't really think about anything meaningful or like any of your passions or um, what really you want to do with your life long term if you're just focusing on food prep exercise and your body image right yeah I remember not wanting to go like on vacations because I was like well how that's so scary I can't how am I going to keep my gym in my food routine and so that's just not possible like that's not life you can't control your life and but you try and it (laughs) just seems to never ever work. So it's just, yeah, it's a really bad cycle, but I'm kind of interested too. You mentioned that you also had alcohol and drug problems. Um, mm-hmm. do you notice, and it's cause even now, like I'll notice this, like kind of like perfectionist type personality coming out in other ways. Now that I've recovered, I'll like, I'll get super upset if I don't do perfect at work or like, if I don't do, if I'm not the perfect friend, like it really affects me. Um, and I know that's like, just really common with this, with, you know, this, these people that have different types of eating disorders. And you had said that you also struggled with alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you think, how do you keep it in control? Like just the general need of perfection. Like, how do you keep that in control now? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is. A lot of people that are in this, they tend to have those characteristics, like their personalities are perfectionistic and they're hardworking and they're dedicated and like whatever they set their mind to, like they're going to get shit done and they're going to do it to the T and they're going to like, they just have that extreme um, nature to them, but like, which could be used to your benefit. Right. But like you're saying, like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> and well, like, cause I think it can be so overwhelming and that's why, I mean, at least for me, like, I feel like that's, kind of where this all started. Like the eating disorder was kind of like a sense of something I could control and perfect quote unquote, even though not really, that's not mm-hmm. realistic. Um, but it's kind of like the same things with alcohol and drugs. Like I feel like the addictions are very similar because it's almost like an escape of this need to feel perfect and beating yourself up and having low self-esteem. Yeah. It's really like you have to address those issues Instead of finding a way to escape. So that's so important. Um, 
And like, typically that's what comes like after like the initial phase of just like eating a shit ton. Cause like, that's all your brain can really focus on right now. Um, it's just like eating and gaining some weight. And then like, after that, what you are left with is like all of your behaviors and your mindsets and, um, your desire to be a people pleaser and to be desired by others or just, you know, be accepted by your peers. Um, you know, it's a lot of that like a lot of people don't want to disappoint whether it comes from like childhood like their parents had really high expectations of themselves or of them and then they take took that on for themselves and so now they have those high expectations mm-hmm. of themselves and like you said now for their friends or their partners so yeah um and then like we turn to drugs and alcohol because it's too overwhelming or we turn to food and body obsession because that's what we are good at. We get really good at it. It's something to focus on besides everything else. Yeah. So it's just like whatever our focus is on at that point. (laughs) Yeah. But So yeah, it's really hard to um, get that into balance. And like I preach balance But of course, like nothing can be completely balanced in life at all times. Mm -hmm. But like, at least if you're striving towards that and like most of the time, like you can maintain somewhat of a balance, um, that's good enough, you know? And so it's just a lot of, you know, looking within and asking yourself like, what, why am, why are you doing this? Like, what are you doing it for? Who are you doing for? It doesn't matter. Um, have you like, what do you want? What are your priorities? Um, you know, start to live for yourself for once, like not in a selfish way, but you have to take care of yourself and not always live for other people all the time. Cause like, you're never going to completely get the approvals of others and you're never going to please everyone. And, um, so yeah, like once I feel like a big part of it is just like trying to work on truly not letting the opinions of others or their judgments or, you know, their expectations of you to control your life. And, um, that kind of is what helped me. Like there's so many parts to it of like the self work within recovery, Mm -hmm. but that was just a big part of it to be able to not, um, you know, try to get, do everything for the validation of others. Right. People pleasing and yeah. Yeah. And I think that all starts with self-awareness, just being aware of when those feelings come up, because you know, when you're, when you're in the midst of an eating disorder, you don't really feel those feelings. You don't, you're confused. You don't know what they really are. So you kind of Mm -hmm. ignore them and you ignore them by over exercising or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's just, I feel like it's never going to be a perfect every single day is perfect. And I never, you know, no one, no one's ever going to never have a bad thought or like a bad day, but it's just being aware of the Mm -hmm. way that you're reacting, I think is just so helpful to just acknowledge it. Yes. The awareness is like the most important part because then you can, you know, reflect on that and be like, wow, is this serving me? Like, what can I do about this to change it if it's not? And just continuing to challenge it. And over time, just over time of being consistent with challenging your thoughts and your mindsets and your behaviors, over time, it just naturally gets easier. And, um, you know, it's not like an overnight, like, or a huge realization or something. It's just really being consistent 
um, and being aware, like you said, like, yeah, definitely. The first step is like awareness and just yeah. did, how did, did anything help you? Like, I know a lot of people say that yoga and meditation and stuff kind of like brought them to be more aware. Um, what helped you to kind of like hone in that awareness? Um, a lot of journaling. I talk about journaling a lot, but I'm more of like, I like to write. Some people are more, you know, audio or they like to talk it out and like maybe a virtual diary or something that helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, writing things down, like my priorities or like, um, just experiences to help be a reminder. And then I could go back and look at where I was and where I came from and to celebrate the small progresses or to remind myself of what my priorities are. So then when I started to doubt the process or doubt myself, um, I would go back to that and it would be a good reminder. Um, also yoga, of course. Yeah. I had to, um, do light stretching though, of course, in the beginning, like I had to take a while off of Mm -hmm. power yoga and take a break um, from the gym. I don't really do the gym anymore though, but I do like yoga and walking, just being in nature too, like literally so disconnecting. Helpful. Yeah. Um, disconnecting. Cool. Well, yeah. Cause that's actually like a huge part now that you talk about it is um, cause if we get too consumed with social media and we never take a break from that, we're always in other people's minds, other people's stories And we never have that chance to reflect by ourselves and sit with ourselves. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to do that, but it's so vital. It's so important to have that time for yourself. And if you, and nature does that because if you get far enough, (laughs) there's no service or just don't bring your phone with you. And nature is so non-judgmental. It's freeing because like a lot of, I don't know where you live, but um, in California or Southern California, some places can be very appearance-based, judgmental, mm-hmm. and just the energy itself. I'm very sensitive to that. And, um, I just feel that. So like when I'm out in nature, they like, that's what always helped me. It was just so non-judgmental. It didn't talk back to me. It was just like right. there and so beautiful and inspiring. And it really gave me that sense of like, what life is about and like, why am I focusing on all of this appearance stuff and the materialism and all of this stuff that just like doesn't even matter at the end of the day. Yeah. So that helped me a lot too. Yeah. And so that's kind of interesting. How do you now, like, what's your take on intuitive exercise? Because that's something that I struggled with. I was like, well, how, you know, I had an exercise addiction, but I was like, how am I supposed to give up exercise? Like it's good to move your body and it is good to move your body. Um, but it's just doing, I guess, like exercising in ways that make you feel good instead of like structured exercise. Like you said, you'd hardly go to the gym anymore. Um, so yeah, what's your take on like intuitive exercise? And I think a misconception in this like society is that in this movement that we're like saying exercise is bad, like don't exercise. And that's definitely not what we're saying. I think it's just changing your mindset on it. So I'm kind of interested in your take on that. Yeah, you're changing your relationship with exercise just like you are with food and your body. Because um, like you said, like this isn't an anti-exercise movement. It's just literally exercise is um, for healthy people though. And if you're sick and you are suffering from restriction or um, just like exhaustion from just over-exercising and over-training for so long, 
exercise is not healthy for you at that point. It's just going to make you sicker. So like, that's why taking a break, whether it's a couple weeks, a couple months, um, and not feeling guilty around that because that's what your body needs. And you have the rest of your life to exercise because of course, like you want to get to that point where you can exercise again, but it's going to be in a different way. So like, you don't have that tie between food and exercise. You're not exercising to burn off the calories that you ate or the binge that you had, or you're not, um, right. It really is. It's, it's different. It's not a punishment anymore. It's kind of like, Oh, I want to go for a walk outside because I actually enjoy doing that. It makes me feel good rather than like, Oh, I have to go lift weights for two hours and I can't, I can't even move. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's your mind shift changes and it's kind of, it's kind of like the food, how you kind of like have to let go of the control in the beginning and just eat whatever you need, whatever you want. It's kind of like with exercise too, you have to let go of that for a while until you can bring everything back into a more normalized space. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you're only going to exercise or move your body or whatever, because you feel like it, you have energy, um, your body is asking for movement and it's for fun because all exercise, like exercise, the word exercise, now we have like this negative connotation around it for some people. And it's like, uh, exercise, I have to go to the gym and it's just going to suck. And it's like, I just have to do it. And it's not fun anymore. And that's not what it should be because we're humans and we're meant to move our body, but like it shouldn't have that feeling around it. We should just, um, find something that we enjoy. Cause not what works. I mean, what works for you may not work for me and it may, it may work for Susie, but it not works for Joe or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why I always say find your fitness because that could look different to you. And also like, if you find something and you're like me, I get really bored. So I have to have all these different things that I switch from. So like, um, I like to do yoga. I like to do the power yoga now, but I also like to do yin, the slower stretching yoga. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel guilty about going to the yin yoga cause it's not as intense. Right. You know? But I also love hiking and camping. I love kayaking and I like snowboarding and biking sometimes, um, walking, Um, so like all kinds of things, but that's fun to me and it doesn't even feel like exercise, but right. Exactly. And it's, it's just a totally different feeling because you're doing something because Mm -hmm. you want to be doing it because it's fun, not because you're forcing yourself to do it and you're beating yourself up because you ate too many cookies or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. But I, no, and then, I feel like you have to go through a period where you kind of like give it up for a while be, or else you'll never break the cycle. Yeah. A lot of people like they're in recovery and they may be in it for a year even. And they're like, why am I not getting better? And usually that's the last step is like literally they're holding on to this exercise compulsion and they're not allowing their body to fully come out of that starvation mode because they never gave their body the rest that it needed. And so like once they give their body that rest, whether it's, you know, a month or something, or even a couple months, um, then they start to see like huge drastic healing and like the leveling of their hunger and their binges die down and their weight normalizes. Um, and then they get their like real energy back and then they're able to come back to exercise and you know it's completely different like you were saying yeah coming back to just like a more authentic place of what do you actually like what foods do you actually like what exercise do you actually like you know what do you not like um i think we try to convince ourselves that 
we love these quote unquote healthy foods and that's all we want to eat. And everyone thinks, Oh wow, she's just so controlled. And I wish I liked those foods. And it's just like, you know, it's sometimes you just completely lose what you actually like and you lose yourself. Oh my gosh. That's huge. You lose yourself within it. And then recovery is finding yourself again and finding what you really like and being okay with that and not, um, you know, guilting yourself for like liking something and following that. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, as much as it's scary, it's also kind of exciting. Yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh, I really don't like this. And I like this. And I remember playing games with my husband. I was, we were playing like, what do you actually like? <laughs> For a long time, I didn't eat red meat. And I said, oh, I just don't like it. Um, I don't like bacon. But you know, it wasn't that I actually didn't like it. It was just that I had written those foods off as quote unquote bad. So yeah. coming back into like, wait, no, I actually do like that. I actually do like steak. Um, it, was, it was kind of interesting and it's kind of exciting. Oh my gosh. It's so freeing. And I I had the same experience. I, for so long, that was my story was meat was bad. Dairy was bad. Like I didn't even like it. Like I, I didn't even like it anymore. And so I literally came to believe that like that was my story. That was my identity. And I truly believed it. And I even got to the point where I was so grossed out by those foods. Like it was so hard to even introduce those foods back in. I was literally nauseated mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And but it was just like, just like I learned how to love green smoothies because those used to make me gag too. I, right. <laughs> I, I taught myself how to like, like those foods again, like, cause they were really helpful for me. And I did like them before all of this crazy restrictiveness. Right. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So one other thing I want to talk about, um, before we get towards the end, I think uh, this, I was just talking about this with someone else the other day. And I think that you would be, you would have a lot of insight on this. Um, another misconception about this movement, um, you know, body positivity, body acceptance, I think is that, some people take the message from the outside that intuitive eating and no dieting kind of means like you eat junk food, pizza, donuts, 24 seven. Um, you know, like it is kind of like from one extreme to the next. So the diet extreme where you're super restrictive. And then I feel like this movement can be seen as the other side of the extreme where you have no control over anything and you just eat these, you know, fast food every single day, every single meal. And that's not true because like we said before, once you get to the point where you know what your body needs and your body is, you know, your body's not going to constantly want shitty foods. Like it's going to, it's going to let you know if it needs some, some good foods in there, some vegetables and stuff. So I don't know, like, I don't know how I was talking about this with someone else, another podcaster. I'm not sure how to like, fix that message that it doesn't have to be one extreme to the next. Cause I think some people that are in the diet culture right now, they're scared to come over and try something new because they think that that's like what this movement is all about. So it's just really hard to like convey that message that it's not. Um, yeah. Well, just like what you were saying, um, like in the beginning, it's like that, but it's not going to be like that forever. So like, people are probably 
basically comparing to the people that are in their early stages of recovery and they're seeing them like wake up and eat ice cream in the morning and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. But if they looked at the whole picture, it's like, they just have to go through this certain phase of their recovery and they're well on their way to coming out of that. Um, right. I, I guess that's, I guess that's where the misconception comes in and like where you need to draw the line is what recovery looks like. Isn't what the rest of your life after recovery will look like. Yes. Yeah. Recovery is just recovery. It's just what you have to go through to be able to get your life back. So then you can be normal again. And so like I talk about this in my uh, course too, or like certain YouTube videos um, is the migration theory. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's just the, the fact that like back in the day, like we haven't evolved much from this, like mentally, like we have this tribal mindset. And so Uh, like I mentioned earlier, when we're triggered into starvation mode, we're trying to, the body senses that it's in a scarce environment and it needs to migrate to an abundance um, environment, right? So you go and you migrate and you are restricted along the way because you're not eating along the way because you're migrating. And so you have a lot of energy to do so too, which can also be the culprit of exercise compulsion. But so once you get to this abundance environment, you start eating together as a tribe and everyone is going through recovery together in a sense. They're going um, through the feast because they were in a famine. So they're feasting together. It's encouraged. They're supporting each other to feast and to gain Mm -hmm. some weight. And they're going through all of it together. So like when we're trying to go through recovery in this modern day world, when nobody around us in our direct environment is going through it with us, it's so scary. And we feel like we're just so abnormal and like there's something wrong with us and nobody else is going through it with us. So we feel shameful. Um, People look at us weird because they're not being supportive and they're not encouraging it. And so this could be that sense too, like, um, if people aren't going through it with you, like they can be very judgmental about it because they're just not understanding what you're feeling. Cause recovery is such a unique process. It's a unique feeling. And so, yeah, it's hard to go through recovery with, um, all these other people that are judging you for doing so. Right. Yeah. You just kind of gotta, I guess that's where self-acceptance comes in and like, just gaining your confidence back. Yeah. Not letting the outside influences like um, sway you from what you're trying to do here, because this is all like a short-term sacrifice for the long-term future, like of recovery and getting your freedom back and your life back, you know, and all of that. And so like we were talking about before is like, this is just all an act to find your balance and whatever that looks like for you. But like the only way to find what your balance looks like, um, it's just going to take some time of trial and error and listening to your body and, um, going with that. And so, you know, that's like what you were asking, like, how do we, you know, spread the message that that's what it is. Like, (laughs) um, it just, that's what we're doing here is like, we're encouraging people to find a balance for themselves and that fluctuates every day. So like one day you may be more like, clean or balanced or whatever you want to call it, like Mm -hmm. all these buzzwords. And then the next day you're craving just savory foods. The next day you're craving sweet foods the next day. So like just going with that. Right. Yeah. It really, again, just goes back to trusting yourself to take the leap of faith. And once you get to the side where you are more balanced and you're kind of out of recovery, it's 
I mean, I don't know anyone that has recovered and said, you know, I, I would rather be back into the, the days of my eating disorder because you just realize yeah. how much better life is afterwards. And so it's scary to get there, but it's just so worth it. So worth it. <laughs> yes. I can't say it enough. Yeah. Um, okay. So actually speaking of that, I was going to ask you if you had to put in a couple words, like then in the midst of your eating disorder until now, what would you like, what are the differences? Um, the main differences in the, in, the, in just like a couple words, you know, from then and now. Then I was uptight and flexible, starving. I was hungry. I was hangry. I was miserable. <laughs> I had no hormones, no sex drive. Like literally it was just a living hellhole. And I knew that if this was what life was about, I wanted no part of it. Yeah. And so after recovery, it's like the complete opposite. Um, I'm, I have fun. I have relationships. I eat what I want. I don't feel guilty about it. I uh, exercise when I want. I don't feel guilty if I don't for a couple of days or a week or whatever. Um, I'm able to live life and do what I love, like camping or traveling. Um, and I don't have that background and pound, like pounding mental and physical hunger. So like I'm able to think about other things in life other than food. <laughs> Right. And that is an amazing feeling. <laughs> yes. For sure. yeah. Okay. So we are getting towards the end of the hour. I just want okay. to kind of, I want to ask you about your book, um, damn the diets and just tell, tell us a little bit about that and where we can find it. And then also how anyone listening can connect with you if they, you know, if they're interested in connecting with you to be your client or just to follow you on social media, where can we find you? Okay. Yeah. So my book, Damn the Diets, is just like a compilation of a lot of the tools um, that I used in my recovery. And then like after I was recovered, I wanted to, um, you know, just package it up so other people could use it too. So it's just, it tells a little bit more in detail of my story, my phases of my eating disorder and recovery, and then like, like all the tools that I used to overcome like food fears, food obsession, um, extreme hunger, binging, the digestive problems, metabolism problems, and body image and exercise compulsion. So that's what that is. And um, that you could either get it on my website or on Amazon. So okay, cool. damn the diets. <laughs> and then where can they find me? Well, my website is damnthediets.com. Mm -hmm. And then so yeah, inst I'm on Instagram more so, and that's damn the diets too. Everything's damn the diets. <laughs> but um, YouTube too, that actually is my name, Kayla Rose Kotecki. Okay. And then um, what else? I think that's it. But Well, all right. Well, I will link yeah. all of that in the show notes. Um, okay. Yes. And I definitely recommend following, following Kayla on Instagram because she has some real... Every day, she has some great, great Insta stories and really motivational. Hey, so, thank, yeah. thank you so much, Shelby. And thank you for, you know, creating this talk, this discussion, because we need to talk about this more so people can realize like there's nothing wrong with them and to not fear their hunger and get yeah. their lives back. So thank you for your work. Thank you. Thank you so much too. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I'm so, it was so good to talk to you. You too. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. Thank you. <laughs>